The strike away. Here he comes. Cave, a fly ball to right field. Over is Carroll. He's got it. And the Arizona Diamondbacks are headed to the World Series. The Diamondbacks have won the National League pennant. And the Fall Classic will return to the desert for the first time in 22 years. The comeback Diamondbacks, the answerbacks, two comeback wins in games three and four. And down in this series, they come back win four of the last five. And Arizona will represent the National League in the World Series. Um, we work all year to get to these moments and these spots, and um, you know we weren't able to close the door. Um, you know, we had a commanding lead in that series, and um, you know tossed some games in Arizona, and then you know, these two, you know, last two days, um, they outplayed us, and um, especially at home, that's 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 a tough feeling. Uh, it's a really good team over there. They're playing well right now. They're hot. Um, that's the great thing about baseball, right? Um, when teams get hot. You know, they keep going, and you know, Arizona's been playing really well. Um, good bullpen, timely hitting. I mean, it's uh, they got them playing. They, you know, I thought we had opportunities to to get it done, and um, you know, we weren't able to. So, I mean, any of those games, right? Like, you, you always want to have the moment. Um, you always want to have the opportunity. I think a lot of these guys on this team have have had those moments, have had those opportunities. So, um, reaching a little bit, yeah, of course. Um, but at the same time. You know, we've been in those moments and, uh, you know, just didn't get it done. Holy fuck, Kevin Barker. <laughs> the Arizona Diamondbacks are going to the World Series. The answerbacks, as they like to call themselves, and I'm not going to argue Woo! with that. You heard Bryce Harper after the game. Uh, very contrite. Uh, very classy. Kevin, we spent... This entire series talking about the Phillies lineup and, and raving about the Phillies lineup. And it's almost like, and I'll put my hand up here as being one of the first here. <clears throat> it's almost like I forgot that most of the damage they did happened in one game. Other than that, their lineup didn't show up, which is frightening to think of. Yeah, maybe. Look, Brent Strom, the, the pitching coach for the Diamondbacks, you got to give him credit, right? The last two games of the series, uh, the, the Diamondbacks punched out 21 batters of the Phillies. And quite frankly, the big four for the Phillies didn't show up in the last two games. That would be Schwarber, Turner, Harper, and Castellanos went one for 28 with an RBI in the last two games. That was yeah. it right there, right? It's why you spent almost a billion dollars on four dudes. You're thinking to yourself, okay, maybe they'll eliminate a couple of them, maybe three of them. One of them's going to show up to go one for 28, especially yeah. going into the, let's air quote it, the hardest place to to play in the playoffs in the history of baseball in Philadelphia, and they go one for 28 with an RBI. That's sort of it, right? And you give the Diamondbacks credit, right? They made adjustments. They figured out how to get swing and miss. And you mentioned Brandon Fall. This is sort of the thing, right? When you start talking about having to go into a really tough place to play, and then you got a rookie that goes in there in game seven, and basically takes a lineup behind the woodshed and throws that sweeper that late breaks and gets the swing and miss that Brandon got, and especially with the late life on the fastball. That's something, right? I mean, the Diamondbacks, are they the better team? Nope. 
but they took advantage of mistakes. And when the big four didn't show up and, and the pitching coach, Brent Strom, you could even see him in big at bats when the camera would, would pan over to the dugout and basically pointing at his head to Moreno, be smart here, right? Know yeah. who's on the on-deck circle. It's okay to walk the bases loaded. We can get through the dude on the on-deck circle. I mean, sometimes it's just baseball 101 and it's common sense. But when you got a couple of young dudes – that sometimes you need a little encouragement to think, yeah, okay, got, let's think this thing through. It's kind of nice to watch, and it worked. I got to tell you, there were four or five times in that game where I thought, okay, this is the Diamondbacks aren't going to get out of this. And you talked about Brent Strom. Uh, one one occasion was uh, when Christian Pache came up and they called a three-two. It was a, instead of a three-two fastball against a guy who hasn't had a net bat basically all. Uh, yeah. Uh, basically all fall they went with an off-speed pitch or breaking pitch. I can't remember, but they had a camera shot of Brent Strom, and you could see him. I don't know who he was talking to. It might have been um, – uh, it wasn't Zach Gallen. It might have been Merrill Kelly, but you could basically hear him saying, like, what the what the F did yeah. they just do? Yeah. But, you know, uh, I, other times, though, uh, Trey Turner finishes the series 0 for 18, bunting in the fifth inning with the runner in scoring position. Nick Castellanos, after game one, 0 for 23. Uh, I mean, that's, yeah, I got to say that. I mean, that's not bad luck. That is good game planning by the Arizona Diamondbacks. That is good game planning by the Arizona Diamondbacks. And full credit to them because, you know, doing some reading last night, they literally rebuilt their bullpen halfway through the year. They had some guys that they they hung on to, but they brought a bunch of guys in. And, Kevin, I got to ask you this because I watched Kevin Ginkle pitch. Yeah, heavy reliance on the slider, right? Sure, yeah. Compare him to Jordan Romano for me. Another guy with the reliance on the slider, right? Yeah, but but Ginkle's slider is way different than Romano's. It looks like to me. Yeah, I think it breaks a little bit more. I think he tunnels it a little bit longer. I think it breaks when it's supposed to break. Jordan, a lot of the times, right, has a little roly-poly to it. It's, mm-hmm. you know, non-competitive. A lot of the times he falls behind. Uh, behind, He gets predictable with throwing the fastball. Sometimes he falls in love with it. you got to get sometimes some called strikes with the slider, right? It's got to have the late breaking. It's got to be outer thirds instead of right down the middle. It's got to have a little bit more slider break to it than it does, br- like, curveball break, right? Sometimes Jordan's Got a little, I think, on purpose, a little bit more 12-6 break, at least early in counts, trying to still strike. So, yeah, I think it's you got to know who you are. You got to have confidence in that thing. You got to know who you're throwing to. You got to know who, you know, weakness is. Well, don't quite frankly like the breaking ball. You got to have enough faith in it that you don't hang this thing. I think the first couple of games, right, they were aiming their secondary stuff, meaning the Diamondbacks. And later in, in the series, they started pitching with their secondary stuff, which is a big deal, right? All pitching coaches talk about command the fastball. When you do that, it gets the hitter in swing mode, and it allows you to get away with some bad sweepers, sliders, breaking balls that normally you wouldn't get away with. So, yeah, you give everybody with the Diamondback credit, but I just get back to that. It's just why the, the Phillies went out and spent the bill, almost mm. a You think about yeah. that, Jeff, almost a billion dollars on four dudes and in the biggest two games of the year against quite frankly a a team that you should beat most of the time 
didn't show up. The four dudes yeah. didn't show up. And when that happens, again, we've talked about, I hate to say this, but we talk about this with the Blue Jays. When the big guys for the Blue Jays didn't show up, most of the time they lost. Like, it's just real simple. It, cause it puts so much pressure on guys like Craig Kimbrell. Now, let's be honest. Yeah. If Craig Kimbrell had to been as bad as he was, they would have won the series. But it gets back to that, right? When you have guys that you count on that don't show up. You need the dudes that you spent all the money on, at least a couple of them to show up. And when they don't, you go home and you're scratching your head. And I'll ask you, what do the Phillies do in the offseason, right? Nola's not going to be there. But for the most part, I mean, this is two years in a row where they're thinking that the home crowd will get them through things. And it's obviously not the case, right? These dudes are grown-ups they're facing, right? The The crowd noise is only going to affect them so much, right? It's sort of like when your first time you see something, oh, man, it's overwhelming. And then you get used to hearing it and seeing it, and it's just like normal noise, and, and then it's not a, effective. So I just wonder what the Phillies do, right? It's uh, it's Obviously, they need to rework a little bit of what they're doing in the pen. The pen's good enough. But do they have that guy, right, that guy that they hand the ball to that for sure is going to get the outs, and I don't think they have that. And they do have a lot of swing and miss. I mentioned that. 21 punch outs the last two games, yeah. that's a lot, right? I mean, you can, get away with, you can get away with Kyle Schwarber doing what he does, providing everybody else or providing at least another sure. couple of guys, another yeah. couple of guys contribute. Uh, I mean, I, frankly, I don't, I, don't, I don't know what they do with Aaron Nola. Um, Aaron Nola is going to be sought after. I mean, he's a little bit like Jose Barrios. You know, one thing about Aaron Nola, he ain't going to get hurt. Yep, he's going to he's going to be out there. And yep. again, I talk about this. That's a huge asset, man. Your sometimes your your best ability is availability. I'll pay mm-hmm. you. I'm going to have to pay a lot of money to get good pitching. But man, if I know that you're going to be out there every day, I might be willing to pay you more than I think you're actually worth because. My manager knows, oh, Wednesday, we got Aaron Nola pitching. But I, yeah. other than that, I, I don't know what they do. Um, I, I, you know, they're, it's not like they're an old team. They've got some young guys, Bryson Scott. Uh, I like the center fielder. I think he's a good guy to have in that team, hit ninth. But, yeah, it's two, I mean, it's two years in a row. You, you can't yeah. put it any other way. This isn't a team built to get to the NLCS. This isn't a team built to win the NLCS. This is a team built to win a World Series. And two years in a row now, two years in a row now, they haven't done it. Uh, and, and Well, this is the year, right? This was sort of the year with the way sure they was. basically walked through getting to, you know, past the Braves and the way the Braves didn't show up when it mattered the most. And, you know, who you were facing in the Diamondbacks. I mean, who picked the Diamondbacks? Nobody. Nobody no. picked the Diamondbacks. And to say that the road was easier to get to where you ultimately wanted to go and you felt like if it was the Rangers, you were going to match up well against them, right? It wasn't. They weren't way better than you were. If you're guys showed up you figured you had a pretty good chance of of matching up at least a couple of big guys that you had your rotation and at least without Craig Kimbrell most of the guys in your pen could match up you know getting the better hitters out against the Rangers your defense was good enough like your speed the things if your four dudes that mattered the most in your order showed up you thought you had a pretty good chance of winning a World Series and now you didn't yeah. Now what do you it's, do? So that's the thing, right? It's uh do you bring in guys that are hungry, right? Or is I don't even think that's it cuz it sounds like right the guys that are, that are in the Phillies everyday lineup and the and the dudes that are pitching and the guys that are playing defense and they do have enough youth 
sprinkled in there that are hungry and trying to get paid. I just don't know how they can add on to make themselves better, I'm, I think, I'm is the point. I, I, yeah. You know, unless you trade – I mean, do you trade a guy like JT Realmuto? I mean, who would you trade realistically? You're not going to trade Bryce Harper. Well, actually, you know, we're going to – Ben Davis, Phillies TV analyst, will join us later on in the show. We'll do a, a deeper breakdown. But just to, to look at it right now, uh, Bryson Stott, Alec Bohm – I think there are a lot of teams that would like a guy like Alec Bohm, but man, if I'm the Phillies, I hang on to that guy. So I've got him, I got Stott, I got Harper, uh, Real Muto. That's a pretty sizable contract. I don't know. I don't think JT Real Muto's game has regressed at all. He's still, nope. you know, still got the best pop time for an older dude in in the majors and all that. Mm-hmm. So I, I I don't know what they do. I think you're probably right. Maybe try to re-sign Aaron Nola and 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 try to address. Try to address that. Uh, try to address the bullpen in some capacity. But other than that, um, there's there's not a lot to do. By the way, the back leg line is open. It's four one six four one three three nine five nine. I promise right now that I'm not going to talk about Gabrielle Moreno and Lourdes Gurriel <laughs> Jr. every day because oh. it's going to drive us nuts. Hey. I sent out one tweet. I, I I actually maybe for the first time in a. In, I don't know, half a year, I sent out two tweets during a baseball game. And that was the play that Gabriel Moreno made yeah. the other night. And I just yeah. tweeted out, I mean, How dot, dot, you. dot. And then How I tweeted you. out a, you know, a white flag thing after it was over. And it's like, and people went ballistic. People yeah. went ballistic. So, uh, you know. I'll, I'll give you a chance to vent. 416-413-3959. The back line is open. The floor is yours. Uh, your chance to vent about the deal. Um, we'll talk about it again. We'll have to revisit it. Don't particularly feel like doing it right now. But again, 416-413-3959 is a back leg line. Yeah. And uh, Ben Davis will join us in a few minutes. We're going to get to Clifton and Etobicoke because Clifton and Etobicoke called in. He's probably going to give us some props and all this. I'm, I, I don't know. Maybe Clifton's already made a million bucks. I, I was watching this I was watching this postseason. I was actually thinking to myself, you know who's who's uh you know who's going to uh enjoy uh you know who's going you know who's going to enjoy this postseason is Clifton because with all the upsets and that I'm sure Clifton made some coin on this. Um Kevin Lourdes Gurriel Jr. and Gabriel Moreno. They're going to the World Series. Yeah, how about uh, that? Uh Ron Darling made, basically made Gabriel Moreno sound as if he's the newest Mike Piazza or or the newest Johnny Ben. But a better catcher. But a better but catcher. A better catcher than Mike Piazza, yeah. 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 Yeah, what the uh, scary Lourdes. part? Yeah, what the scary part about Gabby Moreno is, Jeff, is how he's getting velocity to the pull side you in the about air. That. Yeah. Yeah. As quickly as he has made the adjustment, right? Now it's ambushing. Now it's thinking about not trying to hit everything to right field. It's thinking about, I can do damage because I can create backspin to the pull side. I ain't got a tremendous amount of power to right field. I can hit singles over there. I can hit some occasional doubles to right center or down the right field line. But now if I think about getting the head out in front of the plate, I can get the ball in the air against velocity, and it's just the adjustment and how quickly he's made it because he's playing a lot, right? How do you learn, Jeff? You do it a lot, and I just Mm. think 
It's a blessing in disguise that their everyday catcher got hurt and he started to play every single day and learning how to do that and how quickly he's done it. And we all know the things he brings defensively, right? The game calling with the things you made about the throwing the breaking ball probably to a guy who shouldn't have thrown the breaking ball to. It's still little things like that that you're learning on the fly in the moment. And, you know, you're trying to get to swing and miss because you've gotten a bunch of it. Like, you just get caught up sometimes. You forget forget about who's hitting and how he hasn't had at bats that he should be having and you should be throwing this pitch even if the the numbers say throw another pitch but boy you can't argue offensively and he's hitting third he'll be hitting third in the world series it's crazy right so yeah i think if you're a jays fan you got an argument like you do you got you got you you can throw your hands in the air yell and scream about now we have to watch kirk instead of this dude until I see him hitting cleanup like Dalton Varsho did this year, I'm not going to. Well, he'd have been uh, hitting cleanup. Be... He would have been protecting Vladimir Guerrero let's... Jr. by like July 30th, Jeff. Uh, let's go. Clifton and Etobicoke called in the back leg line. I'm dying to hear this call. Okay, Kevin. Clifton Etobico. I don't think I've ever heard your position on whether or not it's justifiable for pitchers to dish out paybacks the guys who pimp home runs. Personally, I think it's Bush, but I'd like to hear what you think. All right, that Clifton talking about, of course, Adolis Garcia and Abreu. Yeah, actually, I'm interested in how you feel about this. Yeah, it's dumb. Like, it's not. It's We're over that, right? We're over... You know, watching a guy run around to the bases and care anymore. Do you got care? Jeff, do you care? Like, you've been around for a bazillion years. Do you care anymore? I don't care. Like, uh, I, I think that was knowing what Abreu was trying to do by the slide stepping, which he hadn't done all season, and and knowing that a big dude who likes to get his arms extended where you need to throw him, I'm in the camp that wasn't on purpose. I mean, it looked that way because of the last at bat and run around the bases and you know, the days of payback, we're going to get him next time. Yeah, you you, you, might, you might do that against the Blue Jays, who the dudes stand on the on-deck circle you're not afraid of, but it's the Rangers. The Rangers got a really good team. They will make you pay for things that you do on the mound that don't make any sense. So, yeah, for me, I think it's silly. I think it's, uh, again, I know Clifton was talking about the Abreu thing. I don't think mm-hmm. that was on purpose. I know there's a select hand few that do think it was on purpose. I hope it wasn't. I know for a, a fact Dusty didn't put that on. Like, Dusty's you know not what? telling the guy, hey, saw him pimp something. I mean, if you remember, Barry Bonds was managed by Dusty Baker. Yeah. Do you remember what Barry Bonds used to do? So, no, I, to I say don't... that Dusty cares about what dudes do and, and – I make better pitches, and you won't get hit to the moon. Yeah, I I don't think that had anything to do with with payback. What I found interesting and what I hadn't really <clears throat> paid attention to and, what, frankly, what I didn't know, um, and I wish I could remember who wrote this so I could credit them, but apparently the thought is that the Garcia pimping a lot of it was aimed at Martin Maldonado, who I gather had pretty much kept up a running commentary with Semyon and Garcia going back to the regular season. Mm. Um, and that was actually, and it was one of the, uh, I wish I, it was one of the Rangers beat writers. It might have even been at the Athletic, uh, had a story on it and how that was kind of the 
Rangers people were saying that was kind of the the genesis of it. And if you yeah. remember that shot of the umpire cam after the one home run that Garcia hits, he's looking at Maldonado. So that yeah. may have had something to do with it more than anything. But yeah, look, I, I you know, I have no. I've, I've we've talked about. This. I have no problem with brushing a guy back or throwing in. I mean, it's part of the game and all that. But I just. I think certain situations call for certain actions, and I don't think I just can't imagine that in that that point of the game anybody's thinking of retribution. You know what the biggest retribution is? Eliminating the team from the playoffs. Absolutely, that, that's the biggest. Uh, I, I would find I would find it Jeff hard to believe that an experienced catcher like Martin Maldonado would. Think about it so much because knowing how his team has trouble scoring run, runs at mm. home mm. and who they are facing and what the scoreboard tells you says, oh, right now would be the best time to pay back a guy that hits the ball and pimps home runs and runs around the bases and takes 30 seconds to do it. Yeah, I think that's silly. And I think, I, I, are we over this? Like, I, that, yeah, this happened I, when I, I played. We're, yeah, we're, I think we're. I think most we're dudes put it. their head down and run around the bases as fast as they can. They don't do that anymore. No, like, I think I think we're past that. I, I, it's to the point now where honestly, I'm surprised when people notice. It, me too. And and, and I, I think a lot of guys who play the game now have just kind of come to that come to that conclusion. We celebrate as well. the bat flip. Yeah. I mean, we do. It's celebrated. Four one six four one three three nine five nine is the back leg line, Kevin. Texas and Arizona, two wild card teams going to the World Series. We know what the we've seen the Diamondbacks. We know what Texas's mo is. They're just going to try to bludgeon you uh, mm -hmm. offensively. I've given up predict. I'm not going to make a prediction in this series because I have not. I don't think I got one series right this year. I swear to God, I think <laughs> I may have gotten one postseason yeah. series right. I will say this: it's going six games. I don't know who's going to win, but it's going six games. If that makes if that makes any sense, um, Texas and Arizona. To your mind, how do they stack up? Who's the favorite? Is it is it Texas because of that lineup? I, I would think too. Texas has home field advantage. I would think that was one too. The experience, the you know, the payrolls, like it just oozes that it would be in favor of the Rangers, the American League, the way they score runs. Uh, you like Yavaldi and Montgomery better than Gallon and Kelly? Yeah, well, I think Gallon has to be an ace, right? I don't throw that mm. word around a ton, but, you know, I think that to steal a game on the road, the Diamondbacks' ace in Gallon has to be outstanding and not good. Like, he yeah. just can't be good passing the baton to whoever the heck they're going to pass the baton to. Christian Walker's got to show up in the offense, right? Mm -hmm. You know, we we talk about the Rangers and their cleanup hitter. Walker, I mean, wh where are you at, dude? Like, mm -hmm. I know you don't like the elevated fastball making adjustment. Use your top hand better. Stay on on top of that ball occasionally. You're you're a good hitter. Start showing it a little bit. The swing and miss and Brent Strom is a thing. Like, they've shown you they can adjust. Can they get enough empty at bat? out of the Rangers to make it a ugly game, right? To where it gives the Rangers a chance to, to mess up because that's what the Diamondbacks do, right? They take advantage of mistakes where if the big four don't show up, they gives them a chance to have a bigger inning late and take the crowd out of it, and that's the way they win games. And on the Rangers side, Jose LeClerc has to be Great. Continue to be that guy, right? In the eighth and ninth inning, sort of be the shutdown guy. And the Hall of Famer. We've seen some Hall of Famers in this playoffs be 
Max yeah. Scherzer has to be really good. I'm not saying great because I'm not sure he's got it in him anymore, but he's got to be really good. And if he can be really good, it just makes it sort of easier for them to win it in five. Or if they had a chance, dare I say, to sweep the Diamondbacks to be able to do that because of the big two that they have if mm. Max is really good. And Marcus Simeon, quite frankly, hasn't been really good in the playoffs. I mean, over 50 Apache sitting somewhere around 190. Where you been? Like, you hit all these home runs to play in the regular season. You know, you got two RBIs, you haven't hit a homer. Like, yeah. if that, if those three things for me happen with the Rangers, I think they got a really good chance of, you know, working through this because of home field advantage, the lack of experience. And, and quite frankly, I just think one through nine in their lineup, they will take – what the Rangers or what the Diamondbacks give them. They're not up there taking big daddy hacks like the Phillies do, right? It'll be a little harder for the Diamondbacks to get swing and miss against this lineup. So I think for me anyway, now we've been wrong with the Diamondbacks because they're playing with house money. Like they they are. Let's be honest. I mean all the and money we that also, the Rangers and we, Yeah, yeah. They're so And we started to see plays up. We started to see the last two games against the Phillies the real Diamondbacks running the bases, Corbin Carroll showing up. Yeah. Uh, that was the real Diamondbacks, right? The one that we kept wait that, that we've been waiting to see the team that would run wild in the bases. Uh, do you think can that work against, I guess it can work against any team, but I, I'm wondering, do you think it, 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 it would work particularly against the Rangers being yeah, able I mean, to, it, it, it's easier to do that. I think when the score is close, uh, that gets back Good to yeah, yeah. The, the, yeah. The, 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 the Rangers seem to be able to, in the first couple innings, take what the pitcher gives you, right? Don't go up there and try and overswing and hit the three-run homer. It's okay to get three or four hits in a row, mm-hmm. and you look up, it's two or three nothing already, and nobody's hit a homer yet. Yeah. That, I think, is the difference, right? And if the Diamondbacks can sort of... I don't say want to say eliminate that because I don't think they can do that, but sort of hold that down a little, keep the score close. That will allow them to steal bases and put pressure on defenses and put pressure on pitchers to slide step and be quicker and play the pitch timer to their benefit and do little things like that. Sort of play the ugly game. And that'll be the intriguing thing to see if they can get some swing and miss and Keep, you know, the 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 Rangers obey when it just comes to slapping the ball to right, keeping the ball up the middle, those little kind of things like that, because they're really good hitters. By the way, I wanted to mention this. We're going to take a break right now, and then Ben Davis will join us at 1130, uh, Phillies analyst. Catel uh, uh, Marte, the National League Championship Series MVP, mm-hmm. three or four years ago, Two, uh, two or three years ago, I should say, there were a ton of rumors that the Jays uh, were interested in um, uh, in Catel Marte, and, and and yeah, I'm just that didn't come about for whatever reason. I'm not saying that they had a deal made or anything, but we do know that they've talked to the Diamondbacks about him in the past. Uh, I had no idea how good a hitter he was. 16 postseason games in a row—that's pretty good. 
Yeah, he's a tough out. Like, he, he competes, which is a big deal, right? You can get him out, you make a good pitch, you get ahead of him. He's like most hitters. But he'll take what you give him, which is not the easiest thing to do when the crowd noise gets louder and, mm-hmm. you know, the moment is the biggest. you got to stay within yourself. That's what you're trying to do, right, is be yourself. Don't try and be something you're not. But I, I like what you're doing here, right? You're throwing out them tweets, and then you're saying things like that to just yeah. sort of push it and turn no, that. I, no, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not. No, I'm just boy, I'm just he would have looked good hitting second. Stop. Maybe Bo Bichette hitting cleanup all, right. all year. Huh? What? Well, let's let's uh, move on. Let's move on. Four one six four one three three nine five nine is the back leg line. We will be uh, visiting the back leg line every day. We are on the air from eleven to noon Eastern on Sportsnet five ninety. The fan right through to the end of the World Series. If you're listening to us on podcast, please rate and review. We're going to step away for a second and come back with Ben Davis. Philadelphia Phillies analyst. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Fresh views on everything in the National Football League. It's The Fan Checkdown with Matt Marchese and Donovan Bennett. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. So the World Series is set. It will start on Friday in Texas. And no, I didn't have either of these teams going to the World Series. I don't think if anybody did, probably lying. The the Arizona Diamondbacks. Huh? You could pick the Rangers to go. Yeah. The Arizona Diamondbacks eliminating the Philadelphia Phillies last night in seven games for two. So Gabriel Moreno and Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Last time I saw There's other guys on that team, Jeff. There's other guys on the team. They move on to uh, (laughs) they move on to the World Series. Um, Look, I thought the Phillies were. I I thought this was their year. I'm probably not the only one. Ben Davis is a Phillies TV analyst, uh, former MLB catcher, one of our favorites. And uh, he joins us on Blair and Barker. Ben, thanks for joining us today. Trust that uh, you're keeping well. Um, man, I don't know how to begin this other than to ask you, what happened? Oh, where do we start? Um, I, I think I think the uh, – I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think the Phillies got a little complacent after the first two games. And I didn't think it was something that could happen with this ball club because of their professionalism. Um, but uh, after those first two games, they looked like world beaters. It looked like, okay, this will be wrapped up in four games. They went to the desert, went to Arizona, and just everything just, you know, went to hell. I mean, basically the Diamondbacks, they, they won four out of the last five games. And um, I think you look at it, a big component is the fact that they figured out a way to shut down Schwarber and Harper. And it was basically not pitching to them. They wanted to make everyone else in that lineup beat them. Um, and some bats got really cold, really, really cold. And Alec Bohm, I know he had a home run last night. And Bryce Stott had an RBI last night. Castellanos goes one for one in the, in the series off gown, hits a home run, and then goes 0 for his next 23. So um, there's a lot of factors to look at. I equate the ball club that hits so many home runs like the Phillies do with a three-point shooting basketball team. If those three-pointers aren't going down, you have to find other ways to score. Phillies were unable to do that. 
Okay, I, I, I think all those things you're saying is fair. I, the, the last couple of games, anyway, they punched out, the Phillies punched out, as you well know, 21 times. Like, that's a lot. That would be the empty at-bats, right? I think that's sort of what you're alluding to is when you have empty at-bats, you can't hit a homer. Like, that's that's the thing. Is is that more has to do with the lineup not buying into adjustments, or is that – the benefit of Brent Strom and his rotation and his pitching staff going, okay, don't seem like them dudes like the elevated fastball or maybe the sweeper or the slider away. Which of the two, you think? Um, As much as I don't like to give credit to the opposing pitcher, I I thought that Merrill Kelly and Brandon Fault were outstanding. Um, They were outstanding. And if you look at the last two games, the, the big five, the ones that get the most money, Schwarber, Turner, Harper, Real Muto, Cassianos. They went three for 36 with 14 strikeouts in the last two games. Three for 36 with 14 punchouts. Now, having said that, you're looking at MVPs, you're looking at all-stars. Um, I just didn't see adjustments being made. They were chasing outside the zone. And, you know, again, the pitching was very good. And I believe that Tori Lovello, he uses bullpen perfectly these guys came in they knew the role they threw strikes they got punch outs when they needed it they got ground balls when they needed it and that the matchups were very much in diamondbacks favor but they executed so perfectly you got to give them credit they they you know last five games or last four games that they won they outplayed the phillies that's the bottom line Okay, the last couple of years, you know, it's sort of been that theme, right, is you you can, when it matters the most, you can get those key guys out. Put your GM hat on. This offseason, if you're the GM of the Phillies, is there an adjustment you can make? I mean, you got, I'm sure they're watching the same game that you're watching, I'm watching, and, you know, the hitters are trying to work through things, but occasionally they're not the hardest to pitch to. Is there an obvious adjustment, right? Maybe they need a better leadoff hitter or – is there something that stands out to you that can be adjusted that would make them a little tougher in these key games at the end of the season? You know, I thought this team was built um, for a series, um, a World Series to win a World Series. I still think they are built that way. I just think that their hitters got extremely cold. You look at what the Dodgers did, uh, you know, in that series against the Diamondbacks. Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman had one hit combined in three games. One hit. If you would have told me that, I'd say you're full of it. Uh, you know, I think that they're the best one-two punch in all of baseball. They had one hit. They just picked a bad time to go cold, and that's exactly what happened, I think, to the Phillies. They do have some questions that, that need to be answered, and the fact that are they going to sign Aaron Nola back? Are they going to sign Reese Hoskins back? Um, you know, Zach Wheeler only has one year left on his contract, and I think he's, his signing was one of the best signings the Phillies have ever made. And I'm just saying not the Phillies, but all in Philadelphia history, whether it be the Sixers, Flyers, or Eagles. This guy has been unbelievable. This is what he's done, and he's only got one year left on his contract. So they definitely have some uh, some questions that need to be answered. I think, obviously, Ranger Suarez will be back. Um, I think uh, Christopher Sanchez will be back as the five-starter. But you know, then you have Taiwan Walker. He's got three years left on a, I think it was a four-year, $84 million deal. This guy didn't pitch one inning in the playoffs. So there's some questions that need to be answered, and I think Dave Dombrowski and John Middleton you know, with the ownership group I think they're going to go out there and, and continue to spend money until, you know, John Middleton says, you know, I want my trophy back. So until he gets that trophy back, I think they're going to continue to spend some money. Yeah. Uh, you're the perfect guy to ask about this because you had a chance to see him for seven games. What do you make of Gabriel Moreno as a catcher? He's legit. He's legit. Um, obviously, the arm is there. 
I think he could quicken up his release time a little bit. I mean, if you look at it, uh, JT's the best in the game. He's got a 1.83 average pop time. Moreno's got a 1.9. And with that arm, it should be a little bit better than that, than 1.9. I think if he continues to, to work at it, I think he'd get that release time down a little bit more. Um, I'd like to see him soften his hands up a little bit more. But from an offensive standpoint, he's a very mature hitter. I think from a calling the game standpoint, he's a very mature catcher. I think his upside is off the charts. I think his, uh, I think he's going to be a formidable catcher in the National League for years to come. Uh, he's, he's got it. He's got the it factor, that's for sure. Okay, you've seen the Diamondbacks. If you're the Rangers, you know, everybody talks about the running game for the Diamondbacks. The obvious thing would, would be is don't let the dudes on first, right, or don't let them on base. But if you do, this time of the year, adjustments when it comes to not being used to doing something like slide stepping or using that pitch timer to your advantage, right, holding it and peaking a little bit longer, hard to do or – you just don't worry about that. Like, I think when you overthink it, Ben, you would know better than I would being a catcher and, and, you know, trying to solidify that part of it and sort of trying to hold that down. Hard to do that time of the year, is it? It is. And the last thing you want to do is jeopardize your pitcher where he tries to worry about being so fast at home plate where he makes a mistake uh, to the hitter and the hitter, you know, hits a, gets an extra base hit, a double home or whatever. Um, you don't want to jeopardize the, the quality of pitch just to keep a runner close. Obviously, you know, it, to keep Corbin Carroll off the bases is huge. I mean, this guy is such a dynamic player. Talk about a guy that can beat in so many different ways. Um, you know, one thing I, I will say about Bruce Bochy, um, I've got to play for him for four years, my favorite manager of all time. One thing that Boch is very capable of doing is slowing the game down as much as he can for his pitching staff. I've never seen anyone handle a bullpen like him. Obviously, you know what he did in San Francisco, winning the three World Series there. Um, but he's a guy that can slow some things down from an offensive standpoint on, on the opposition. And the fact that the running game, he's got such a great sense for it. He's got a great knowledge. And, you know, I think he will definitely be able to control that part of it pretty, pretty well. Ben, in your eyes, is Craig Kimbrell a Hall of Famer? I, I'm going to say yes. I think, he'll, without a doubt, he'll be the last person ever to get 400 saves. Um, I think that, you know, what he's done in his career, I don't think we'll ever see 300 or 400 saves again. I don't think we'll see 200 wins ever again. Um, That's just the way I feel. Unfortunately, that's where we're at. Um, But I I, I do think he's a Hall of Famer, especially with, um, you know, some of the people that have gotten in in recent years. Yes, I think Craig Kimmer will be a Hall of Famer. Yep. Ben, listen, we appreciate your time. Uh, you've been terrific all year. We've had a lot to talk about. The Phillies have obviously been newsmakers. Uh, again, thanks for this. Enjoy the off season, and uh, we'll be chatting in uh, 2024, my friend. Be well. Thanks a lot, Sounds Ben. Good, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you. See you. Take care. That's Ben Davis, uh, Phillies TV analyst, former MLB catcher, and a good one. And it's interesting, Kevin, hearing Ben talk about Bruce Bochy because um, – if you look at some of the things, and it's such a great point about slowing down the game. And I think if you, you play the game, you understand what Ben Davis is talking about when he talked about slowing down the game. I keep thinking of some of the, the things that he, when he was manager of the Giants, he did. Uh, some of the things that were really impressive. The way, for example, he kind of nursed Tim Lincecum through the final years of his contract. Yeah. Turned Tim Lincecum into a weapon out of the bullpen mm-hmm. in the postseason. And I, I look at the Rangers, and 
I look at what they were able to do with Jordan Montgomery and Nathan Uvalde, and and as much as I, I love the Diamondback story, something tells me, don't know what it is, something tells me that Nathan Uvalde is going to be the dude in this series. That he's going he's gonna to be the guy that's going to make a couple of starts and come in from the bullpen if the series goes long. I mean, he's, 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 he's done that in the past. I understand he's coming off an injury. You've got to be careful with those guys. But I just, as much as that Rangers bullpen scares the living hell out of me, I, I've now, I don't know if there's ever been a closer in the World Series that scares me more than Jose Leclerc. I, I'm trying to think. I, Maybe. I, I, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, that was a great point uh, from, from Ben Davis about Boach's ability to just kind of slow the game down, slow the pace of the game down. And you made a great point, too, about the pitch clock. I've got to think that those veterans, Yavaldi, Montgomery, they've been around, even Scherzer, even though they've got to be able to use the pitch clock maybe a little more effectively than the Diamondbacks guys. Although that, yeah, maybe. The, kid, the, the kid that started yesterday, i got to tell you, man, Brandon Fott, the kid that started, I, he's, dude's got ice water in his veins. Well, he's got stuff. I mean, when you, when you have stuff like that, right? He's got. He's it's got, easy to have ice water when you got stuff, ways, right? Yeah, he's got an extra gear on the heater, right? He's got a little herky jerky in his wind up, and he's got the sweeper. When you got those two things, right, you can be confident when you walk to the mound. All right, I promised you we go to the back leg line four one six four one three three nine five nine. We will go to the back leg line. What was the quote from? Uh... Ben Davis, I think he's going to be a formidable catcher for years to come. Liz in Toronto. Hey, guys. It's uh, Liz here from Toronto. Big, big fan. Love your show. Uh, Let's give a lot of credit here to the Arizona Diamondbacks. I mean, we can go on about the Phillies and what they did and did not do, but let's look at what Arizona did do. And they made that trade, you know, with Varsho for Moreno and uh, uh, Guriel Jr., and I'm sure Ross Atkins is sitting there watching this thing, and I hope he's just going, you know, I should have had a V8 because what the heck. And uh, I love them. I, I just They reminded me of the St. Louis Blues when they were the, the underdogs in the NHL, and they came back and won it all. So uh, I'm going for the Diamondbacks. It's going to be great to watch Guriel and uh, Moreno. And good for them. Their pitching lineup is fantastic. Their strategy is fantastic. And the Blue Jays. Need to sit there, watch these guys, and learn a few things. Thanks a lot. Liz, I appreciate the call. By the way, Brent yeah. Strom, I was going to throw this out because Kevin Barker mentioned Brent Strom. Um, if you get a chance, read a little bit about this dude's background. He was the guy that was with the Houston Astros when they became he, the Houston Astros as we know. He, he, he was fixed also, Verlander. He, Verlander exactly, was at the end. He fixed Verlander. Exactly. He made, he made yeah. Justin Verlander a ton of money exactly yeah he was also i'd forgotten about this he was also the montreal expos one of their minor league pitching coordinators as well he's been around he's been around for a long long time and mm-hmm. um he'll be one of the stories of 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 this series for sure look i, I don't have a rooting interest in this but kevin i gotta tell you it's hard not to cheer for the diamondbacks it it it, it, it is. really I, is look, I, I think Bruce Bochy is the one guy that will say, I have more muscle than you have. And we're going to go out here and try and show you that. Like, I, I think that for me, I played for Boach. Again, he took me out for drinks when he sent me down. I was up for like three and a half weeks. Like, I, and that's all you need to know about him. Like, yeah. he is like one of the greatest dudes in 
the entire history of baseball. Like he just gets it what makes players click. And I think he understands that he has tons of muscle when it comes to two in his top of his rotation and that lineup, right? And mm. sometimes I think as a manager this time of the year, it's tough just to get out of the way. And I think he understands how to get out of the way. I like, think he does. It's the Barrios thing. Every once in a while, you just want to see your manager get out of the way. And I think that is, for me, that might be the deciding factor here is Tori Lovello's never been here, right, when it comes to being a manager. That is the thing, right? Can he get out of the way? Will he overthink it, right? It's the first time through. It's the meat of the order coming up. I got a couple of lefties down there that are, eh, do I use them? against some of the better lefties or do I let my starter who basically got us here and is one of the main reasons that'll be one of the things too so that'll be an interesting thing to look at also I gotta tell you one of the things I really miss in not doing Blue Jays talk other than my post Blue Jays talk glass of bourbon (laughs) before I go to bed and usually it was post Blue Jays talk sometimes it was halfway through the show I'd sneak a little yeah, yeah, we could yeah. tell. But I don't feel bad about that after hearing John Jonathan Papelbon and Jagermeister. Dude won a World Series half-crocked, so, I mean. He know. didn't have to Anyhow, talk. No, he didn't. That's true. One of the highlights of uh, Blue Jays' talk was Billy and Markham. And why am I not surprised that Billy and Markham would leave a uh, comment for us on the back leg line? I'm almost afraid to uh, ask you to play this, Lance, but uh, <laughs> what the hell? Why not? Go ahead. Hey guys, Billy and Markham calling. Well, at least I think I'm in Markham. Been walking around aimlessly since the uh, the Jays got knocked out, so I could be in Richmond Hill or Nobleton or somewhere. I, I don't know. But the problem here is that nobody has gone after Vlad Guerrero for for absolutely getting picked off second base. Just incredible. And I asked before the playoffs started. I said, please, Vladdy, don't embarrass us. And of course, he did. The problem on this team, if you guys want to hear it, is we it, I call it the New Hampshire Four. You know the four that won all those championships in the minor leagues? It is time to get rid of Kevin Biggio, Bo Bichette, Vlad Guerrero, and John and go in a different direction. This team ain't winning with those four guys as your main guys. That's all I got, guys. Later. Why do I get the sense that Billy's, like, Billy spent the last three weeks saying, God, I wish I could. I wonder if they would do a Blue Jays talk just for me. Like, just just have a show where I could come yeah. on and vent. Uh, yeah, see, well, see, I mean. Yeah, it, the, it, only, it, the, well, the only issue with that is you need a third baseman, you need a closer, and you need a left fielder. So yeah. you, you want to add to the mix, you need a first baseman and a shortstop. Like, but yeah, I, I am going to say this. I I. I will say this. I will say this about what Billy just said. Uh, We are getting to that point where every team has that discussion, right? Every team, even big market teams. Yeah. If we're not going to re-sign this guy, what do we do? Do we keep him for another year? Do we take the draft pick? Like The only thing I keep, I, I will keep telling people, and, and I think this is important to remember because, yeah, we, we've talked about it. You look at the Blue Jays. They could, right now, I think they could finish fourth in the East next year. Yeah. Just looking at it right now. They could win the East, the right move, but right now they could finish fourth in the East. The one thing I want people to keep in mind when we talk about all this stuff all the time, and trust me in this because I've been down this 
this road before, at least you have ownership that's going to spend money. Back in the bad old days when Interbrew ran this team, there were people who thought that the Blue Jays weren't long for the city. You know, people, writers with a lot of contacts thought, hey, there's a situation here with ownership. Interbrew was not committed to this city. They were not committed to this team. I mean, you do have ownership that's put out $240 million or whatever for payroll. We're led to believe that there's not, they haven't had a, there's not this cataclysmic uh, uh, salary readjustment coming. So that's, I I, I just got to, I got to caution people about that because it wasn't always that way. Trust me. It was not always that way. There were times where this team was middle of the pack or lower third in payroll. So, Mm. Let's just keep let's yeah. just keep that in mind when we when we look at where this team is. Um, I've been the guy that has been telling everybody for the past two years that if you don't win at some point before 2025, you do have to have a serious talk about Bo and Vladdy. And I've seen nothing that suggests they're going to sign Vladdy to a long term contract. Bo was taken care of through his arbitration years. Yeah, we will have that discussion, but at at this point. It's you can't have it because you've got so much to do, and as long as you have those two guys, and maybe this this is the biggest thing, Kevin, about this year. Maybe the window of opportunity isn't so much just Bo and Vladdy. It's Gossman, it's Barrios, it's Bassett. Mm-hmm. You've got those three pitchers locked up for the next three or four years. So, you know, let's just kind of pull back here a bit. Um, and, yeah. and let's build on what they have. But I, hey, I, I can't. I mean, I can't. I can't sugarcoat it. They got. They got a lot of work to do. This isn't a matter. This isn't a matter of adding one hitter and away we go. It's not. It's not. It's not good enough anymore just to make the playoffs, Jeff. No. Nope. And from what we've seen this year, I mean, I think the template may be there in terms of how you advance in the playoffs. And uh, boy, I just don't. There's a lot of heavy lifting that needs to be on here. Uh, that's it for us. Speaking of heavy lifting, we'll be back tomorrow from 11 to noon Eastern on Sportsnet 590. The fan, as always, leave us a lovely five-star rating and review. We're like a restaurant. We like five-star ratings. Have a great day.